Hey there, I'm Kevin Daisy. And I'm Eric Olson. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. All right, we are recording. Hello, everyone. This is Kevin Daisy, the host today of the live Managing Partners Podcast. I also am the founder of Ray Digital, where we exist to help law firms get found in search, get more leads, get more traffic, and grow their pipelines. So uh, if you need that kind of help, please reach out to me or one of my associates. So today on the Managing Partners Podcast, I have Philip, and Philip's coming out of Atlanta, but he runs a practice basically based out of Chicago, uh, where most of his clients are. But uh, Philip, thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me, Kevin. It's great to be here. Yes, sir. Well, uh, we had a little bit of technical issues, a little audio issues, but thank we have cell phones and we were able to figure this out. So uh, sorry about that, but we, we got you here. And so we got to talk a little bit uh, before the podcast here. So I got to know a little bit more about you, but I'm excited to uh, have the audience know more about your journey to get to where you are today and, and kind of how that plan panned out for you. And then really getting into some of the specialties and, and things that you do for your clients. Okay. So I guess let's get started. I mean, you didn't start out as an attorney and uh, even though it's, I guess, part of your family, but uh, yeah, tell us a little bit of the story about uh, how you got into this work and became an attorney. All right. Well, I guess the, the niche I'm in, I'm a, I'm a patent attorney and uh, also general intellectual property. So trademarks, copyrights, trade secrets. We're a technology practice. Um, so we, you know, we're engineers and physicists and chemists and you know, there's only two of us, but we <laughs> we spread the qualifications among us. Uh, that's my brother and I. Uh, we're McKinney Phillips. Uh, so, so the way I got here in high school, uh, I was always intrigued with physics and chemistry a little bit. You know, electronics, acoustics. You know, NASA, every everything kind of cool in, in in the engineering and physics world. And my father at the time was a patent attorney himself. Uh, he was a chemist who had gone to law school and had worked inside corporations pursuing their patents and their defense against patents and all that sort of stuff for his entire career. Uh, he's retired now. But at the time, you know, I was seeking a little bit of direction. And my dad said, well, you you, you always ask me great questions and you know a lot about engineering. So you'd be great, uh, a great patent attorney. <laughs> and, uh, and I didn't have any other direction at that point. And that sounded pretty good. You know, I like, you know, analysis and questions and discussion and debate and, and, and engineering. So I went to Wesleyan University for physics and math. And my wife there at that time, I, I transferred out to Caltech for a couple of years and did electrical engineering. Then the two of us went over to Rice in Houston, Texas. I did uh, a master's of science in um, quantum electronics there. And I was in the PhD program and I decided, you know, we wanted to get married and I decided I need to get moving on my patent attorney plan. So I, I left with a master's, wrote and defended my thesis, did my research, ended up at Cornell Law School. And in 98, I popped out of there, uh, you know, not didn't know too much more than what I'd learned at, you know, at my various institutions, but I was ready to go. So I started, I had worked a couple summers at a Chicago law firm, uh, and I started there full-time in 98, was a partner there a few years after that, and, it's, and stayed at that firm until 2011. And in 2011, or just sh shortly before 2011, some former alumni of that firm and from another firm as well, uh, started their own practice, Miller, Matthias, and Hull. So that was Tom Miller, Brent Matthias, and Michael Hull, who's, who's passed away now. Uh, so I joined up with them. And it was a great experience. It was a small firm, uh, four partners. Uh, Mike eventually left, and we we brought in a new partner. 
but after a while, I still kind of wanted to do more of my more of my own practice, more uh, hardcore uh, high tech prosecution. Uh, so I left in 2019 to, to start McKinney Phillips. My brother works with me in that firm. Uh, so between us, uh, he's he's a chemist, a chemical engineer. He d- he does uh, everything from plant patents to you know solvents to fire retardants. Right now, he's doing a lot of work in concrete. I handle the mechanical engineering in the firm as well as the electronics, electrical, computer engineering, uh, you know, telecommunications, data processing and analysis, and pretty much, you know, every, you know, if you invent a cool new go-kart or, or a cool new vaccine or whatever, you know, or a new cell phone app, we can, you know, we pretty much have the technology, know how to handle it. He went, he's from, uh, UPenn, Cornell undergrad, UPenn grad school, and Vanderbilt Law. And so we try to cover the waterfront. We, we do have folks we work with um, in this country and other countries when, when the client needs something other than specifically what we can give. We also, because we're small and, and we don't, obviously we don't have much overhead. Yeah. I'm talk, talking to you from my office at home right now. <laughs> um, so, you know, we have very I wouldn't even say competitive rates. I mean, we're pretty much below everybody because there's no middleman. It's just the two of us. And we do all the work. We do all the drafting. We do in terms of pre-litigation and, uh, you know, cease and desist letters and infringement letters and things like that. I handle those on my side. I've had a lot of uh, litigation experience in the past and intellectual property, trade secret, trademark. So the only thing we really don't do is full bore litigation, but we will work with local counsel to to get that done. So that's awesome. kind of the that's kind of the path to where we are now. <laughs> and so uh, this is the website here below, uh, McKinneyPhillips.com. If you're just listening, McKinneyPhillips.com. But you can check a look at that site. So you've some different transitions, and I think uh, just asking you, like, how many patent attorneys? And I've I know a few, and I've talked to quite a bit more, especially on this show. Uh, but how many happen to also have been an engineer? First, or well, you know, a lot have sure. some kind of scientific training. So you have to have a little bit. There's two kinds of patent attorneys. You could be a patent attorney who's registered with, you know, obviously a state bar, but also the United States Patent and Trademark Office to pursue patents and things like that. You don't have to be registered with them to pursue trademarks. But if you want to be a patent attorney, then you have to pass a test with them and have certain minimal technical qualifications. Okay. Um, so for I'm example, yeah. So for example, a mathematics degree, you would have to turn in some extra proof if that was your degree and you wanted to be a patent attorney. Computer scientists as well, although computer engineering, you can sit for the exam and get registered. I can't remember what the question was, Kevin, but anyway, that's... <laughs> so I was just wondering how many... <laughs> Oh, you know, how many patent attorneys yeah. out there really have a true engineering degree and background? You know, predominantly, you know? it's people who were in engineering. Not too many people plan it out the, the way I did and Rob did. Usually, it's people who got into engineering, were okay at it, but really weren't as good as they wanted to be or didn't enjoy it as much as they could have and decided, well, I have this engineering degree. I don't want to do engineering. What can I do? <laughs> so technology law, and in particular, patent law, if they want to sit for the the bar for that is a is a good route. You still to be a good patent attorney, you still have to be a good scientist and a good engineer because a lot of times the the client you, when you work with a client, you're really working with inventors, engineers, mm-hmm. technically savvy people, and you have to be able to speak their language, understand what's interesting and different about what they're telling you, as opposed to just saying, "Wow, that's cool, that's neat, how that works." You have to be able to determine what's been going on before, where the eureka is, and what they have, and help them find more if you can. You know, that's part of the job is to sort of brainstorm with them and say, well, can you do it this way? Can you do it that way? How about, yeah. how about this option? So in order to do that all properly, you really want to come from a pretty solid engineering background. 
full background before you go into patent law, especially if you're prosecuting. Yeah, it makes um, a lot of sense. You know, if you're, you if you're litigating, yeah, if you're litigating, you don't need as much technical background, but you should probably work with somebody who does have that technical background. Yeah, really cool. Yeah, I just wasn't sure about that. And I would assume they need to be, you know, needed to have that background and understand because you're coming across a lot of different products, inventions, whatever it may be. So you, you got to be wired. You got to be able to have the conversations with these folks. Right. Not right. Look like you're a deer in headlights. <laughs> like what? Yeah, right. And I think if you're going to be a small in a small firm, like by yourself or in a small group in a larger general firm, uh, you probably should be the kind of person who can, you know, fix your own brakes and, you know, tune up your engine and things like that. Just have a general understanding of engineering and mechanics, because, you know, my background, a lot of what I've done is is, you know, software, apps, telecommunications, but I've also done new braces. I've done lawnmower technology, you know, rocket wow. nozzles. So it's, you have to be sort of a technical quick study and then it's a, then it's a fun job for you. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Me, you know, I'm a marketer, started out as a web developer. We did software development for quite a lot too, as well, application development. But at the same time, I'm very handy, mechanically inclined, work on stuff, build stuff. I love doing all that stuff. Not to say I could be a patent attorney. That's not well, if you had a degree with that kind of with that kind of <laughs> mindset, if you had a degree, you could go be a patent attorney. <laughs> all right, I'm getting off the show. I'm going to go. That's good. <laughs> I'm not that smart, but uh, so they're really cool, cool. And and you told me a little a cool story about the golf course and uh, who oh, was yeah, that yeah. to again? Yeah. Well, so that's I, I mentioned that we've got my father's a patent attorney, and now I am, and my brother is. My sister escaped and she's a doctor, but there's three parable family right there. Daughters yeah. and lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, you know, it's, uh, it's neat that we've got three patent attorneys and it all came from a chance meeting my dad had when he was in, in college. Uh, he was a caddy on a golf course in Galesburg, Illinois. Uh, he was going to Knox College there and he caddied for this guy who seemed really, really well put together and articulate and sort of, you know, in command. And my dad said, Hey, I'm, I'm just in college. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm a chemistry major. What do you do? And the guy said, oh, I'm a patent attorney. I, I work in-house for XYZ Company. I'm their patent counsel. Uh, and right then, my dad said, that sounds good. That's what I, that's what I want to do. What do I do? And the guy said, finish up and go to law school and go in-house. So his whole career, my dad was in-house, and he eventually was uh, chief patent counsel at a, at a large uh, chemical company. And now he's retired. But it spawned a couple other patent attorneys, uh, You know, me and my brother. None yeah. of my kids are none of my kids are going that way, so it ends here. But <laughs> yeah, so the guy was like, "Hey, you have the science part down. And it's going right. to add the other the other element." So. Right. Go to go to law school, and it's, you know, a lot of people go to law school without the technical background. Just you know, maybe they're a history major or a philosophy major, an English major, and they 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 don't know what to do with the degree, so they go to law school and get into you know. They could be any any kind of attorney. Uh, you know, you could be an immigration attorney, having once been an, an English major. You know, yeah. so law, law school teaches you kind of everything you need to know about your area of law, at least to get started. Yeah, excellent. Okay, well, our next question, really. So you this on your own, McKinney Phillips. I think you mentioned when you you just kind of did that recently, like 2019, 2020. Uh, 2019, May of May of uh, May or June of, of 2019. Sorry. Yeah. Awesome. So I, I know I'm sure you had plenty of connections and you've, you know, a lot of people um, in the industry, but <clears throat> you know, what's been really something that's worked well for you to, to get clients and the clients you have now versus, you know, how you're getting new clients and then how many, you know, how many cases do you guys actually taken on? What's your, you know, your, I guess your capacity at this point? Yeah. Well, we, when, when I was working at my prior firm, when I was a partner there, the, the clients I worked with were, 
were larger clients with high volume, and we had you know associates and people to help to help with all that, and high volume was fine. We're sort we're sort of more of a, a bespoke firm now, I guess, if you want to use that lingo, in that we can't really handle high volume. You know, so if if a company wanted you know 100 patent applications a year, then you know just to crank them out, then that's that's not us. But if they <laughs> if they if they have you know five or ten and it's their crown jewels, then then we're the folks because we can do that that work especially well. The reason we don't have high bandwidth is we don't have associates. We, my brother and I, are the directors. Yeah. You know, so if you, so if you get a letter from McKinney Phillips, it's from one of us. You know, if there's a patent <laughs> drafted by McKinney Phillips, it's drafted by one of us. Look, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, I kept the smaller clients I, I, that I had when I was at the prior firm because they were certainly within our you know the range of our uh, our capabilities uh, volume wise. Some of the mid-sized clients uh, we still work with. The larger ones I didn't take with me just because by myself and even with my brother, we wouldn't be able to just dedicate ourselves to one client. And since then, actually, we've gotten a, a lot of sort of industrial clients. There, there's sort of an industrial community of mid-size entities that sort of know each other and, you know, refer each other. So, you know, from knowing just a handful of people, a couple of folks from the, the very first firm I was at and a couple of neat clients, uh, it's all been word of mouth for the past few years now. You know, clients I never had never heard of when I started this firm are now are now major clients here. So, you know, that said, we, we didn't have a structured marketing strategy. We sort of planned on word of mouth and just, sure. you know, let our performance speak for us. Uh, but it would be good if we did have sort of an organized approach to marketing, maybe a little less exciting and, you know, explosive at times. But, uh, you know, as we get as we age here as a firm, we'll, we'll probably go more that direction. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's starting out, you know, and you've been doing this for a long time. So you had some connections, but you know, that's natural way to go is you got connections, you know, people, you get referrals, you build, you use the word of mouth as much as you can until you feel it's necessary to kind of take the next step. And that's, yeah, again, that's natural, I think, and uh, makes sense. You do good well, work, you're going to get more referrals. Well, and one aspect of it is just kind of an aside. I, I had a few clients that I was conflicted out of being able to represent at the old firm. And so leaving that firm and those clients you know, because if, no matter whose client it was at the old firm, it could be a conflict. Uh, so yeah. sort of leaving that environment, got rid of those conflicts. And, you know, so now I work with those particular institutions. So, so start, so being small has its benefits, but it is a little more sporadic when you're, when you're small. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I run a different type of company, but very similar in this, you know, was on my own for a while now, you know, I've gone the the route of building and have a large, you know, larger team and things like that. But pros and cons, it depends what you're looking for. Size of stability, but it's sort of the, the opposite of agility. So yeah. <laughs> there's a sweet spot in there, right? So, yeah. well, okay, cool. Well, so speaking of like, you know, going forward and, and what your plans are, I'm sure right now you're just, you guys are head down in the, in, in the work and taking care of your clients. What is really some of the plans, uh, let's say from the next year to the next up to five years? Like what is, uh, have you kind of thought about that far ahead? Uh, you know, what are you, what are you trying yeah. to accomplish? Well, we, we would like to grow just a little. Uh, we, I would want to stay small, but, you know, maybe having an associate or two or a tech advisor, technical advisor, they help with that uh, or two would be good. Uh, you know, on the marketing side, we don't really use our website for marketing, obviously, because this I don't know if any of my clients have ever even looked at it. They just... <laughs> come from other clients and other friends and stuff but uh yeah. but we'd like I'd like that to be better just so if someone someone stumbled on it it would represent us well and uh 
you know, if they want to call us, great. If, if they don't, at least they thought, hey, that's a good website. So, you know, I, it'd be good if it was a little a little bit better. Yeah. More to click on, more interesting. Right now, it's just, hey, here's the guys. Call us if you want to. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, the way I look at that is kind of like um, when you're really word of mouth based and you're not going to, you know, advertising and all that stuff for a firm like you would not be as effective as sort of, say, like a personal injury firm where it's like immediate attention needed now, whoever shows up possibly gets to work. So it's a little bit different approach. So yeah, for you, it's, you know, a brand and a website that reflects you that shows uh, who you are, the benefits of working with you. And that just increases, hopefully it would increase the, the amount of those referrals that actually convert to clients. If that's enough by itself, could be worth investing in. So well, beyond that, is, you well, know, beyond another, that, can they find you without you having a referral? So right. Well, that's that's kind of what I was going to say. Is that uh, <laughs> you know, we've we've started being a small firm. We've really started to cater to smaller clients. You know, so you know, small companies. So not the Microsofts of the world, but probably companies that you've you've heard of, but more for you know niche products. But we'd we'd love to connect more with small inventors. I mean, I I looked into some some of that sort of marketing. So with you know pop mechanics and you know things like that but for a small firm some of that's kind of cost prohibitive in terms of the yield you would expect to get you know yeah no i mean when we were doing software development and even web development we used to not be niched in law so everyone listening we haven't always be uh, been niched and working with law firms we kind of got there over time and decided that was the industry for us to stay stay with but but prior when i was just a web developer designer locally working with local companies or doing software development and application development I was on the board of our local technology council. I still am, actually. I'm on the marketing chair of our local tech council. And so I, I get tons of people that come to me about ideas, software, marketing, website, you know, mostly, you know, people that have ideas for all kinds of stuff, tons of ideas. And most don't have any money at all. And, you know, you can waste a lot of time talking with them and trying to help them. And then there's some programs that we, you know, locally in groups that they can go to to get help. And, and then every once in a while, there's someone that's got some money and deep pockets or some funding source. But right. there's a lot of folks out there with ideas that aren't able to actually take them to fruition because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of risk. So, you know, it's what's the, the saying, ideas are cheap or something like that. Right. But it, there's a lot of people out there with a lot of cool ideas. It's just, you know, how many are going to take it to the next level and can afford to hire someone like yourself or someone like right. me? You know, that's, you got to wade through a lot of the, the noise, I guess. I think the best candidates for that, for, you know, for you really having the money to be able to dig in and do a good job are folks, you know, sometimes somebody working, be working as a software engineer and they come up with a new hedge trimmer in their spare time or something. It's a little bit of a lark form. It might be a world changer, like the little girl who invented the bacon hanger and you know, for the micro, uh, the bacon microwave fixture. But generally, the best folks who really value their IP and want to and want to get it done are folks for whom it's their business, but it's a small business. You know, so yeah. you know, a, co a concrete manufacturer or something has a has a neat idea. It's in their business. It makes them more competitive. It makes them more money, and therefore they're serious about getting it done. You know, and protecting that. Yeah. Right. Right. No, excellent. Yeah. So it, you know, I think it'd be interesting to see what I'm sitting here telling you that. If you were to go to that angle, you know, it'd be some some thought um, and strategy put into to coming up with how would you market to those and find those folks. Um, right, right. It's a little more challenging than, again, if you're a family law and you're, you know, people are searching for a divorce attorney, that's, I can tell you, I do that all day. We can do that, right. no problem. But I see, I see those billboards all around the, the neighborhood. <laughs> the billboards, we do digital only. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I guess, the, you know, the point is, it's, it's a little bit harder to do. Yeah. To target that. And it's really, what are they searching for? Uh, we're, we're big on Google and search because 
if you're unknown and they have no referral, they're going to go search. And so whether or not they're doing their own research and you're, you happen to be the website resource that gives them those answers and has articles and information, that's one way to get them. Or, you know, what are they searching when they're actually ready to hire a patent attorney? We look at the data and say, all right, what searches are being performed? How many searches are happening in a monthly basis? And then that's your slice of the pie. That's okay. You know, how do we get in front of them? Certain tactics you can use. And then you can kind so of do the backwards math to figure out, hey, is that is that a return on investment if I invested this much money per month? Okay. So you're looking at Google's data, you know, sort of search histories and we can finding forecast, out what people... Yeah, we can forecast next month based on Google's, you know, 15 years of or 20 years of data, they know exactly pretty much how many searches will happen next month. And then you go, okay, that's this many searches. What do we need to go to get in front of those searches? How much would that cost? If we got this many clicks, they go to the website, what's the conversion rate of the website roughly? That'll mean this many leads, how many convert to actual clients? Okay, that's this many clients per month. How much do I make on average case, or I mean client? And then you can figure out if it's a return on investment or not. Right, what level, what level you want to get involved at. Yeah. So yeah, you, you just kind of back, you know, work, work it backwards. And that's what I tell every potential client for us is, if that doesn't make sense, then, you know, you shouldn't do it. Yeah, it sounds, sounds pretty rational. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got to be. Everything we do is business rational like type thinking. We're not you know, marketers, but before we do any marketing, we have to understand the firm, the marketing, you know, the, the business itself. Yeah. So where me and my partner, we run our firm. We're 20, about 20 people point. And, but we're still very involved. We talk with our clients. We, we have business conversations. We wire our folks to have business conversations because before you can start doing anything, just like you, you have to be able to understand what they're trying to do and what, what matters to them, what brings them money, where do they lose money, what types of clients they want, what industries, whatever it may be, and then go, okay, now we start to look at what we can do to get you more of that and then come up with a plan. So, and that's how it all should be done, you know, and there's a lot of creative shops out there. They're, they're creative and smart, but they're, they're not business savvy and they don't have the right conversations and right, ask the right questions. Yeah. It's got to be data driven if the numbers are going to add up right at the end of the month. So, well, data and your goals driven. So if I say, Hey, right, I'm going to do all this and you're like, Kevin, I don't, I don't want those types of clients. And oh, I never asked, you know, so it's, I could drive you a ton of traffic of people you don't want to talk to. <laughs> You know what I mean? So that's not going to help. So, yeah. so it's just, you know, say for divorce, I just use that example. I have clients that want, they do pro bono and they like to do cases that are uh, work with clients that can't afford attorneys, which is not usual, but that's what they want to do. And then yeah. I have some that are like, Hey, we, if you don't, if they don't have an income of 200,000 a year, we don't want to talk to them. Mm -hmm. So it's very specific. Um, and there's a big gap in the middle there. Right. So yeah, yeah. most, most are in the middle. They want, Anyone that's looking to do a divorce, we want to talk to them. So if you don't have to ask the right questions, and I assume your your job, you're probably asking a lot of questions and, and having a lot of conversations. Yeah. And so that's, yeah. Just, that's how it should be done. And that's what we try to do here. So that sounds good. Hey, might give you a call. <laughs> we can talk afterwards. But um, so yeah, I appreciate you coming on today and sharing your story. I think it's really cool and unique. I love talking about that kind of stuff. Again, I'm part of the Technology Council and and uh, we have a couple of attorneys that are part of that group too that are, that are really good friends of mine in your space, kind of. And so- okay. It's just all intriguing to me. I like cool things. I like taking things apart. I like building stuff. And I just think it's cool how you got into it. Your your brother, your dad, uh, just really cool stuff. So, um, but everyone, if you're tuning in, um, again, check out McKinney Phillips, kind of see more about Philip here. And maybe you're another attorney that can help refer him business, or maybe he'd be a referral source for you. So I urge anyone on here, the a guest or the audience to reach out to each other and connect. Oh, thanks, Phillip, is there another way people can connect with you if they wanted to, or is the you website have all the information? Uh, 
I, I would always, I always just have people, I give people my cell number and they, they call me when they need me. And if anybody has it, I know it's somebody I gave it to. <laughs> so, but I can, I don't, if there's anyone out there who wants to reach me, do you, do you have the number, Kevin, or I can give it? I do have it because I called you before we got on here, but I don't, let me see if I can list it for you. One second. You can say it too, if you like, I guess. Um... Yeah, I can just, I can just tell folks it's uh, 847-738-1132, 847-738-1132. You know, probably a quarter of the people I talk to aren't aren't really clients. They just have IP questions, intellectual property questions, and that's fine. I enjoy those conversations as well. You know, if you have if you're confused and I can help you, I'd be glad to. So, you know, I appreciate that, man. Um, yeah, so please reach out, Philip. Check out his website or reach out through him through his cell phone. And for this episode, we're gonna have this up on our website soon, featuring uh, Philip here. It's gonna be at raylaw.com forward slash podcast. So look for that soon. It'll also be up on the audio if you're listening right now. It's already there. And we'll be pushing pushing this out everywhere, just like we always do. So uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. So Philip will have to be, he'll have to dodge uh, paparazzi here before you. So (laughs) if uh, anyone needs our help, uh, ArrayLaw.com, you know, kind of explain on how we work, but we're serious about what we do. We help law firms grow. And that's through any means with digital marketing, whether it's their website, all the way to very targeted advertising. So uh, if you need that kind of help, check us out. Ask me any questions like Philip too. Open for any questions. If it's just questions and you're going to make your own website by yourself, I'll help you out. So just. All right. Well, we might. We might want to go beyond that and try and see if we can find a way to reach out to those those small inventors. So I'd be interested to see how how that would work out and what tactics we could come up with. So yeah, well, Phil, yeah. if you want, stay on with me for just a second. We'll say bye to the audience and uh, we can chat a few few more minutes. But uh, everyone, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for coming on to another episode of the Managed Partners Podcast. I think we're over 140 managing partners and going strong. So we appreciate everyone that's listening and tuning in. We appreciate you and uh, stay tuned for more. Philip, thanks for having me, Kevin. <laughs>